And welcome to Driving Forces on WBAI 99.5 FM New York and streaming live at WBAI.org. This is your weekly public affairs show where we focus on the issues that are that matter in city, state, and national politics. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, joined, joined each week by my amazing co-host, Celeste Katz-Marston. And each week we bring you guests who discuss policy and politics. We dive into issues such as transportation, the environment, education, healthcare, and so much more. And we bring you these guests and we choose these topics often because we hear from you, our listeners, because that's what Free Speech Community Radio is all about. And this week, we have a very special episode for you that looks at philanthropy and trends in giving because we're now in WBAI's special two-week fundraising campaign designed to both celebrate the history of this station and its role in shaping discussions about the world around us. So... Please stay with us this hour as we bring on two guests, one to discuss why people give and what matters to them, and the other from a Brooklyn theater company about to put on a production of Into the Woods, and both guests are offering listeners gifts for your contributions. Now, again, Celeste and I value our listeners, which is why we go that extra mile to line up these gifts for you if you donate to support WBAI. So today, throughout today's show, we'll bring you details on these gifts, what we call premiums, that you can receive for donations of 50 bucks or 100 bucks each. Our goal is to raise a little more, if we can, than $500 or more this show alone. And we know we can do it thanks to you. But I've spoken too long. Before we go on, before we even go to our guests, let's bring on my amazing co-host, Celeste Katz-Marston. Good evening, Celeste. Thank you so much, Jeff. Always happy to be here with you. And I really want to take a moment to tell everybody something that's very, very true. Jeff does so much with the nonprofit sector. He does two programs on this nonprofit radio station, WBAI. He does this show, Driving Forces. He does another program, City Watch. His entire professional career is also focused on nonprofits. And he is the one, I have to give him full on credit for this. He is the one who is running around getting wonderful books, show tickets, all sorts of amazing premiums as thank you gifts for you so that we can show our appreciation to you every time you give to WBAI by supporting the Tower Fund, by becoming a BAI buddy and giving a recurring donation. Jeff really does it all. So I do want to take a moment here to thank you, Jeff, for everything that you do for this station. Thanks, Celeste. But folks, it really is a team effort. Celeste and I coordinate a lot of this. We put out, you know, we put out a you know range of requests because we want to get gifts for our listeners. And in preparation for today's show, I was reading up on charitable giving. I mean, this, in fact, is something as Celeste noted. I I discuss a lot and I work on a lot with a number of nonprofits. I mean, many of them, I'm engaged with them year round. Their jobs became much harder in the last few years because of the pandemic, though not all of them, because many of us shifted our priorities because we were impacted financially by the pandemic, but also we were motivated to focus our giving elsewhere to support organizations that were being hit with steeper demands, like food pantries and community-based organizations that help people experiencing homelessness or providing health care support. So, 
you know, when it comes to giving, we think about not just what matters to us, but how our family members or our friends or our coworkers are impacted, people who might have lost their jobs or loved ones or were struggling, not just financially, but also emotionally. And that, too, factors in our decisions on who and what we support. Do we give with our heads or our hearts or both? So there was an article in Harvard Magazine recently in which the authors and their experts in moral reasoning and effective altruism, they saw a problem when philanthropy is fueled more by emotion, more than by reason, and by convincing voters to give more effectively, well, it's not so easy, they wrote. People hold a number of cognitive biases that, when combined with their emotions, could hamper their ability to give where it matters most. And so, for example... Many people only want to donate to organizations they feel more socially connected to. Others only want to help those in need today instead of thinking about future generations. And many care deeply about doing the greatest good with their money because they still feel conflicted because their desire is really to give to a personally meaningful cause. And in the end, those competing motivations led the authors in that survey to determine that people may be willing to support effective causes as long as they could also support their personal favorites. At the same time, we have to consider the forces that shape our ability and our willingness to give to support a cause. Forces outside of our control, such as inflation. The more we get hit on a daily basis at the supermarket or the gas station, the more likely we are to be restrained in our giving because we feel we have less to give or we're uncertain about the future. One thing that is impressive, though, is when you look at research on giving trends, even in difficult times, there are still hopeful signs. A report that came out recently called Risk Radar, Charitable Giving in America, showed a positive trend in charitable giving in 2023, despite the current challenges with the economy. Now, according to this report, 53% of Americans were expected to maintain their 2022 charitable giving this year. 10% expected to increase the amount that they donate to causes in 2023. Now, a quarter of those surveyed plan to reduce their donations in 2023, and they cited concerns about their ability to make routine payments, their job stability, and their financial ability to support charitable causes. Now, these are all trends we want to look at today. Because if you listen regularly to WBAI, then you know we always remind you, and most of our WBAI colleagues do, of the importance of giving, of supporting this station. Whether that means a one-time donation, or becoming a BAI buddy and giving a monthly contribution, or a bequest, or encouraging your family and friends to give. We ask for your support. We count on your support. But we don't explore more deeply why you give, other than the possibility that you recognize that this station is not beholden to corporate America, has a long long and storied history of advocating for free speech and at this time in our country's history provides a progressive voice through a range of programs that counter much more conservative radio. Now, if you didn't know, WBAI is a satellite of Pacifica Radio, the only national free speech ter terrestrial radio network that is left in the United States. And so while our, country, while our country sinks into an atmosphere of the fear of free speech, we at WBAI speak truth to the powers that be. Now, throughout this week, you're going to hear so much reporting, so many specials. It started this past Sunday, and it's going to go through the end of next week when you'll hear many of our shows honoring our past and our current producers and hosts, the champions of truth within a world of disarray and corruption. We hope you'll stick with WBAI throughout this period to hear the special programming and special guests. And as a public affairs news show, Driving Forces always brings you interviews with elected officials and advocates, the policymakers and the pundits. But today, 
We thought, given this campaign we're in, we wanted to explore why people give, what motivates them, how, you know, how people give, for instance, online or old school, often like me, check in the mail. And hopefully we can better understand if the economic downturn turns into opportunities or challenges. So please keep your radio tuned to WBAI throughout this hour. Stay with us and support our mission. Our first guest today is an expert on philanthropic trends. Rhea Wong is the founder of Rhea Wong Consulting uh, and helps nonprofits raise more money. And though she has deep experience with institutional, corporate, and event fundraising, she is passionate about major individual donors and helping organizations to establish individual giving programs. Throughout her career, including as the executive director of the After School and Summer Support Program, Breakthrough New York, she's raised millions of dollars. She's become a leader in the New York nonprofit community and is a frequent educational commentator on the media. When she's not raising money for causes she loves, she can be found hosting her podcast, The Nonprofit Lowdown, and she is the author of Get That Money, Honey, The No Bull Guide to Raising More Money for Your Nonprofit, which offers a proven framework to convert conversations into donations. And Reyes provides us six copies of this book for listeners who donate today. Without further ado, Rhea Wong, welcome to WBAI. Thank you so much, Celeste. So nice to see you, or rather talk to you. Nice to talk to you too, Jeff. Absolutely. So we did, uh, as Jeff pointed out to me, we did do our um, AAPI special. So I want to uh, welcome you to the program, wish you a happy AAPI Heritage Month. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know, there are a lot of us in New York. Actually, I'm originally from the West Coast, and I was surprised to learn that there are more Asians in New York than in San Francisco and L.A. combined. And you, you might be talking to one of them right now, actually. <laughs> so uh, don't let the name fool you. So we wanted to have you on the program today because WBAI obviously is fundraising this week and next. And our listeners know we're always asking for their support. We are listener-supported radio. But we thought it would be great to explore the whole topic of fundraising and what kinds of trends you're seeing and really what motivates people to give and, and the evolution of how we ask people to give, how we convince people that that our cause is worthy. Yeah, Celeste, this is literally my favorite topic, so you can stop me at any time. But um, I think that when we are asking for money for the causes that we love, the thing that we often forget is that we talk a lot about what we need, what we want, what our plans are. The heart of fundraising is emotional. Right, so I know you cited the study, but actually, the, um, I always say this: there is a researcher in Texas, Dr. Russell James, who put people in MRI machines, and he scanned their brains, and he talked about uh, business, and one part of the brain light lit up, and then he talked about philanthropy, and a different part of the brain lit up, and it's the same part of the brain lit up when he spoke about emotions and when he spoke about family. So I really believe that. Fundraising is a deeply emotional, deeply personal act, and that we use data to support what we've essentially already decided with our hearts. So that being said, I also think we have to realize that everyone gives for their own reason, and we're all the heroes of our own story. And so for us to invite people into a story, we have to recognize that we need to be focused on what it is they want what story they're telling themselves and what change they want to see in the world and how it might align with the work that we're doing. So I think, I know you've asked about this as well, 
I think the number one mistake that we make as fundraisers is we think too much about ourselves and we need to think more about what is it that our donor wants and needs and craves. And that's such a good point. It's wonderful to have you on, Rhea. I'm going to also ask you, uh, I can hear you, but I'm afraid your sound's a little low. If you want to just, and I know you can do this because I've known you for years, if you could just speak up a little more, that would be wonderful. And I know you can have it in you. Um, sure. Is, uh, is this I know. Oh, that's wonderful. I, I know what motivates me, why I give. Often it's to the organizations that I support that I come to know and I get to know them behind the scenes. But take us back for mm -hmm. just a moment. What was your entree into fundraising and development? Because I'm curious what led you in that direction, what motivated you, and maybe that's gonna inspire others. Well, I have to tell you, Jeff, uh, I don't know that it was such a strategic decision on my part. So I was a 26-year-old executive director and unfortunately, like many other executive directors, I didn't receive any training at all, right? So I showed up my first day, they gave me my email address and the key and said, good luck. And so my first Google search that day was, uh, what does an executive director do? And the second Google search was, how do you fundraise? And so I don't know what it is about this sector, but we, um, we give people these very important roles in these important positions trying to solve some of the biggest problems in society and we don't give them the proper training or support. And so I kind of learned fundraising, like unfortunately a lot of people learn fundraising, which is trial and error. You know, mm. you throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. And so I've really dedicated this next stage of my career to all of the little Rias running around, which is people who want to do well, want to get resources to these important missions, but just haven't been trained. And so what I like to say is I've made all of the mistakes so you don't have to. So you should learn from my mistakes and you can go and make new and different mistakes. Don't make the same mistakes. <laughs> I'm still stuck in that idea of a lot of little Rias running around, but we'll come back I know, to that. I, know. I, don't, I don't know if the world can handle that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, having worked with a number of organizations over the years, I find there's often the same pattern that they get stuck in. You do a spring fundraiser, you do an end of the year fundraiser, you put out the fundraising letters, you feature a program participant and maybe, you know, throw up some stuff on social media to get donations. But you advise people much more as needed. What are some of the key elements that people really should think about, you know, based on even the mistakes that you might have made and the learning experience you've had? What are some of the things people can take away from this? Yeah, I mean, so many things. I think number one in the nonprofit sector, we are, we're afraid to be a little bit out of the box. And I think that comes from, there's a lot of different reasons. I think in part, you know, our boards tend to be quite conservative. No one wants to be the board that dropped the ball, right? I think um, as a sector, we are so afraid of losing funding that we don't give ourselves permission to do something bold. And so um, I, I was talking to a friend of mine. He called it the pink sherbet test. Like we are afraid to be pink sherbet. Now, people in the world, you either love pink sherbet or you hate pink sherbet, but you have a really strong feeling about it, right? In the nonprofit sector, we tend to really embrace vanilla because vanilla, we can't get in trouble if we're vanilla, right? But the fact is no one really gets turned on by vanilla. Like I've never walked into a room and thought, wow, this beige is really doing it for me. So the first thing I would say is don't be afraid to be a little bit innovative, a little bit out of the box because you're right. It feels very formulaic. You get the letter, you get the social media thing, da, 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 da. Have the courage 
to claim an edge. Have the courage to be remarkable. What does it mean to be remarkable? It means that people will remark upon you, right? And especially in a world that is so chaotic, so distracted, we have to stand out. We have to have a message that really resonates with people. We have to dare to repel people, right? I say this all the time. Good marketing attracts. Great marketing repels. And by that, I mean your marketing and your brand should be so strong that it, it acts as a beacon to your people. But for all the people who are not your people, they'll look at it and be like, no, no, that's not for me. That's really important. If you just tuned in, this is a special fundraising episode of Driving Forces on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston, joined by Jeff Simmons. We're speaking with Rhea Wong, founder of Rhea Wong Consulting and author of Get That Money, Honey. Uh, Rhea, I want to jump into something uh that I think I've struggled with as a donor and a fundraiser and maybe other people have as well, which is we often tell people here on WBAI, give as much as you can. Give what is comfortable for you. We're not only looking for people who are going to give $1,000 or $5,000, although if you're out there, our phone lines are open. Um, and you can also go to WBAI.org. But um, I'm hoping you can talk to us just a little bit about how do you convince people that their donation matters, even though it might not be some, you know, blank check or five figure give that every dollar really does count? Because in our case, it certainly does. Yeah, well, you said a couple of things there, Celeste, I think uh, is important to unpack. So you said the word convince. And I think that's really important because in the world of fundraising, I don't think it's about convincing. It is about inviting people into a story that they already believe about themselves, right? So if I'm the kind of person that supports public radio, if I'm the kind of person that supports, you know, after school programs or whatever it is, then that identity already tells me that this, you know, supporting WBAI is, is aligned with who I believe that I am. It's not a question of convincing or not convincing or persuading. It's like, I, it is or it isn't, right? And that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is when we think about big gifts, you know, so four, five, six, even seven-figure gifts, those gifts tend to be um, much more high-touch. What I mean by that is small gifts can be transactional. So it can be you know, the Facebook fundraiser or, you know, the, the radio appeal or your annual appeal. But if you're getting into the major gifts, you're going to want to develop a relationship with people. Um, I think the other way in which fundraisers are not terribly great is uh, as a sector, our, our retention numbers tend to be pretty abysmal. And I think that's because we forget to close the loop on the story which is we forget to tell people what it is that we've done with their money and why it matters. Because at the end of the day, as a donor, I'm giving you something, and what I'm quote-unquote buying in exchange is an outcome. Like I want something to be true in the world, something different in the world because I donated. And if you forget to tell me what you did with my money, (laughs) it's very unlikely that I'm going to donate again. So Rhea, you use the word donated, and I want to thank you for donating copies of your book, Get That Money, Honey. I won't read the subtitle because it has a curse word in there, but we, Celeste was very careful about 
not saying the whole word, but it's it's a good book. Get that money, honey. I would love you because we're offering copies of the book for fifty dollar donations to our listeners Ooh. today. If they call two one two two zero nine two nine five zero or go to wbai.org, I would love for you to sell the book. I'd love for you to tell people what they can get through this book. What advice? What counsel that they're going to need? Okay, so a couple things. I wrote this book. This is my pandemic project. This is my pandemic baby. Um, and I wrote the book for folks who want some very actionable, very practical advice on fundraising. I feel like where I saw a gap in the market was that, you know, I read all the fundraising books. They tend to be very dry. They tend to be pretty theoretical. Um, and so the book is written in a really fun, relatable style. There are lots of stories lots of actionable tips and uh, downloads. So you can go download free resources to use tomorrow. And it was it was important to me to really design it like a workbook, right? Like we don't need another book sitting on our shelf gathering dust. What we need is actual actionable things that we can do. And Rhea, I uh, wanted to ask you one more thing that maybe would be some more practical advice for us. Uh, and maybe you uh, expand on this a little bit more in your book, but when we're talking about uh, fundraising, there are lots and lots of worthy causes out there. I don't deny it for a minute. I mean, of course, I want people to support WBAI because I think that free speech, independent, non-corporate, non-profit media is a really important thing for New York to have. But I do understand that we are, to some extent, competing for people's time and attention. What would you recommend for us as far as uh, letting people know why they should consider uh, going, you know, making that donation with us today? Well, Celeste, I have to tell you, I think we need to dispel the myth that we are competing against each other because I feel like okay. that's just a race to the bottom. So if we look at the numbers... Uh, there's just unprecedented wealth, even in the face of recession, right? Like the wealthy are still very wealthy. And um, I don't have the actual data off the top of my head, but we saw an unprecedented number of people establishing DAF, donor-advised fund, and private family foundations. So the money is out there. The issue is that we haven't positioned ourselves as a viable partner to our philanthropic partners. Like we haven't shown why it matters, why it should matter to them and how they can get involved and what it is we're doing with their money. So I think what we're really seeing out there is a trust gap, right? People are feeling, especially wealthy people, are feeling like they're just walking ATMs to nonprofits. And to a large extent, they're right. I mean, many nonprofits do not do a great job of stewarding their people properly. Therefore, they're taking all of this money and just putting it in, you know, DAFs and so forth. So, I think the first thing is that we're not in competition with each other. Now, that being said, I do think that there's an attention economy that we have to be aware of. Like, there are many things to pay attention to. My, you know, phone is pinging and ringing and I've got social media and I've got, you know, the news coming at me. And so that's where I think clarity of brand and clarity of message and stepping into a very um, courageous and unapologetic stance is going to be the best way to attract your kind of people. And Rhea, I know we only have about a minute left, so I want to throw in a quick question. But then before you go, I want you to also share your information and people want, if people want to get in touch with you. Uh, but final piece of advice I'd love for you to give anyone who's listening. How can we, WBAI, or any organization or person who's a fundraiser, think differently? What's like the first step someone should take? Oh, my gosh. 
I love this question. So I'm going to quote my friend, Greg Warner, and he says, as a fundraiser, you can either be a CPA or the IRS. And what I mean by that is oftentimes nonprofits get into this transactional mindset of like, oh, I just need to get all of the money that I that I need. And so I treat people like walking ATMs. Instead, if we position ourselves as philanthropic advisors to our donors to help them achieve meaning and purpose in their lives, to help them achieve the lasting outcome and legacy that, that they believe that they want in their lives, then it's less about what can I get out of this transaction and more how can I help my donors do the thing that they want to do in the world. And it feels a lot less icky and it is a lot more generative because you're in partnership. You're not in extraction mode. Very good point. Before we let you go, tell our listeners where they can go if they want to learn more about you and your work and find out more about your book. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, RiaWong.com is probably the best way to get in touch with me, R-H-E-A-W-O-N-G.com. And I have all of my podcasts and books and webinars and all the fun things on my website. Ria Wong, I want to thank you so much for joining Celeste and me here on Driving Forces today. Thank you so much for having me. It was always a pleasure. And if you just tuned in, this is Driving Forces on WBAI 99.5 FM New York, also streaming live at WBAI.org. Celeste and I were just talking with Ria Wong. She is the author of Get That Money, Honey, The No Bull, dot, 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 Guide to Raising More Money for Your Nonprofit, and Ria has donated six copies of this book to WBAI to be able to offer to our listeners. All you have to do is donate $50. You go on the website at WBAI.org and you'll find it there. Ask for the book or, you know, you might decide you just want to call it 212-209-2950 to be able to get a copy of this book. Remember, you're also doing good. You're supporting WBAI when you do this. Now, we've got a few minutes. We're going to take a break. If you do want to call in now or even later in the show, I'm going to give you a different number. You can call us now and tell us why you give, you know, how you even came upon the station at first, why BAI matters to you. If you can't get through now, definitely call in after our next guests who have other gifts for you, too. That number is 212-209-2877. The number to call, 212-209-2877. And Celeste, Rhea had talked about developing relationships with people. You and I know there are some regular listeners here who call in and talk about the value of BAI. Absolutely. And, you know, I really do think we're not just saying this because we would like you to donate. I mean, we would like you to donate, but I genuinely think that, and I can say this as somebody who has appeared on different radio stations for a long time, and that includes satellite radio, uh, FM radio, uh, AM radio, uh, podcasts, lots of different audio uh vectors, lots of different audio products. I really do think that WBAI is unique. We are non-commercial. We are non-profit. We get different viewpoints here. We definitely have a more progressive stance, certainly, but we do listen to people from all walks of life. We regularly have conservative callers uh, come in and share their thoughts here on the air with us. But WBAI is very unique. And look, it is essentially a form of local media, although we are part of the National Pacifica Radio Network. We do have a focus here on local news that affects New York City, New York State. I think everybody who's listening to this program knows that local news is in crisis. Local news is in duress. If you don't 
want your radio station, your local radio station to be taken over by corporate media or to just go away and leave a total news vacuum, a local news vacuum, please go to WBAI.org today. Look for the give button. As Jeff said, if you give $50 today, we will, as a thank you gift, give you a copy of this wonderful new book, Get That Money, Honey, by Ria Wong. She can teach you about how to fundraise for your own organization, how to avoid the missteps that she experienced in her career as a fundraiser. And you, you, if you are listening to this station, I'm going to bet that you care about your community. You would not be listening to WBAI if you did not care about New York, if you didn't care about public policy, if you didn't care about politics, if you didn't care about community action. Please go to WBAI.org today and look for the Give button. Please support this station. So we're going to take a short break now. When we come back, we'll bring you details on another offer, a gift you can receive for donations to support WBAI, because we really need your help. We really do. We need you to stand with us at this time, to stand with WBAI. This is Driving Forces on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston, joined by my co-host Jeff Simmons. That was The Pretenders. I'll stand by you. My husband is a big Pretenders fan, so I hope he's listening. But this is what we need from you today. Stand with us. Stand with WBAI today. We need you by our side. There is no 
WBAI without you. And we value our listeners, which is why we go the extra mile, or more to the point, Jeff goes the extra mile, to try to line up gifts for listeners who donate to support this station. And Jeff often works with people in the theater. So we've been able to get some tickets to a new show opening in June. Now, you may have heard about all the nominations for the Broadway revival of Into the Woods, but there's another production in Midtown of Into the Woods that's about to open, presented by the nonprofit neurodiverse theater company Epic Players. Epic is presenting Into the Woods for a limited run just from June 8th to June 18th. And Epic Players has generously donated five pairs of tickets to WBAI to offer to you if you can support this station today. For $100 a pair, that is it, you get to do good by supporting WBAI and see a great show. And think about Broadway prices. This is really a good deal, no matter how you look at it. And Celeste, I've seen a number of their shows, like the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. I can't stop smiling because of how wonderful it was on Almost Maine. They really are terrific. It's in a smaller theater, which is so much more intimate. The casting is always fantastic, too. And Celeste, some of its actors have been going on to do things and be on like major television shows like Blue Bloods. Hmm. Their production of Into the Woods, again, is in Midtown at Art New York Theaters on West 53rd Street. And all you have to do if you want a pair of these tickets is go to WBAI.org. Go to the premium section of the website. Look for those tickets at WBAI.org. And on a personal note, these actors really are amazing. I've talked with them about why they joined Epic Players, how the organization is very inclusive, and has not only trained them, but created a loving community. I promise you, you will not leave the theater without feeling touched by this production. Aubrey Therrien is the executive artistic director of Epic Players, and she's worked in partnership with the neurodiverse community through theater for a number of years. Very passionate for the inclusion in the art for inclusion in the arts. And Aubrey and Epic Players have been opening bell. They've been at op, open the bell. What, I never say it right. Opening bell ringers at the New York Stock Exchange. They've spoken at the UN on empowering women and girls with autism and so much more. And joining Aubrey on the show today is Gianluca Chirafici, one of the actors starring in Into the Woods. Aubrey and Gianluca, welcome to WBAI. Thank you for having us. Hello. Yes, thank you for having us, Jeff. We thank you both for joining us during this fundraising special. And we'll get to, once again, later on how listeners can get those tickets. But first, Aubrey, why don't we start with you? Briefly describe for us a little about Epic and why you founded Epic Players. That's a great question. So Epic Players is a neurodiverse theater company, so our mission is to provide professional performing arts opportunities and social communities for artists living with developmental disabilities or who identify as neurodivergent. We created an inclusive environment for those actors to shine and have their talents be seen and heard on our stages and bigger stages throughout the city and beyond. Um, And I started Epic because I saw that there was a need for this. Um, there was a need for artists, especially neurodivergent artists, to tell their stories and be taken seriously and have a community where they can shine and find support and really have their talents uh, be elevated on a different platform. Um, and I think we can see that there's a need because we grew, grew just so quickly um, from the beginning. We started with 20 actors and now we have almost 80 actors in our company with more on the waiting list to join this summer. So I think that is a testament to see that the need for representation for this community in the arts is is large. 
Thank you so much to both of you for joining us here on the program. And Gianluca, I'd like to hear more about you and how you got involved with Epic Players. What is what is your background? Well, I was a member of a group of actors that Aubrey was an artistic director. And when she moved to Epic Players, I moved to Epic as a founding member. And that's wonderful. And how how are you finding it being in this production? Has it been exciting? Has it been difficult? What is it? What is it like being a part of this? I'm being excited and feeling happy that I'm part of it. And I believe, John Luca, you've been in other performances. Tell us a little about what performances you've participated in so far. Well, I was Charlie Brown in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. I was in Tempest, The Little Prince, Little Shop of Hearts. Here in the Starcatchers, almost Maine, and the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, and now I'm playing Jack in Into the Woods. And speaking of Into the Woods, let's just jump over to Aubrey for a second, because I'd love for you to talk a little about uh, Epic Players' production of Into the Woods, because we want our listeners to hear about this and to see the show, whether they try to get tickets today by donating to BAI, or later on you'll give us your website if they want to go there. Talk a little about the show that's ahead. Yeah, this is our most inclusive production to date and our biggest production. We're so thrilled to be doing it. We have a 28-person cast on a very intimate stage, so this is going to be a very... Uh, upfront and personal production of Into the Woods, which I'm really excited for the audience to see. And we have a variety of representation from all sorts of community in our cast. This is our most inclusive production. We have blind and hard, uh, hard of seeing actors. We have deaf and hard of hearing actors. We have LGBTQ actors, trans community, non-binary community members. We have disabled. We have neurodivergent cast members. We have neurotypical cast members. And everyone really shares the stage in a, in a beautiful way, and I think it brings the, the real humanity and the nuances of, of Sondheim and Lapine's beautiful show to life, um, like I'd never seen it before. So I think this is really a once-in-a-lifetime experience to really truly understand the meaning of the show. Maybe we should pause here for a second. I want to get back to talking about the show, but I think we, you know, we use the term neurodiversity or neurodiverse. And I, I see that that's a, a word that people are using much more frequently than in the past. But can we just pause for a second to explain uh, to anybody listening out there, what does it mean and what kinds of things sort of fall under the umbrella of neurodiversity? Sure, yeah. And, you know, I don't want to speak for the neurodiverse community, but from what I know of this and my neurodivergent colleagues is you know, neurodiversity, neurodivergent just means you think differently. You think and you process information differently. Um, and that encompasses a lot of different types of identities. I think one of the most prevalent identity under the neurodiverse and neurodivergent umbrella is autism. So primarily, a lot of the actors you'll see in our show identify as autistic. And Aubrey, you know, you and I have talked about this, we're, you know, and today we're focused a lot on the upcoming production of Into the Woods, but Epic Players does a lot more. And when we, you know, here at at BAI, we ask people for donations. We tell them a little about the programming and the diversity of programming and everything that happens here on the station. But for Epic Players, if people you know want to learn more about it, I'd love for you to fill them in on what you do beyond just the main stage productions because there's so much more. Yeah, there's so much more. So we have our main stage productions. It's really our 
you know, this, this showcase of talent on a professional level. But then we also offer about 100 free classes in the performing arts for our members to attend. Uh, many of our members lack access to the arts because of either financial reasons or, you know, higher education and learning is just not accessible right now to the community that we serve. Um, so we create this conservatory program that is that is free, entirely free for all of our actors. Our actors are also paid for being our performances. In addition, we serve as advocates and mentors for our actors and help them, as you said, Jeff, get jobs outside of Epic. So on set, Blue Bloods, or in Broadway shows, or in various movies that are being filmed across the country. And um, we really advocate for our artists to be seen and heard in that way. Um, and we offer mentorship there. And then we also do fun stuff together. So we go out, we do epic outings, we go to Broadway shows, we, we create this social community of like-minded people and it turns into a second family and we're really grateful for that and everything if you're just if you're just joining us this is a special fundraising episode of driving forces on wbai new york 99.5 fm and streaming live at wbai.org i'm celeste katz marston joined by jeff simmons and we're speaking with aubrey therian and Gianluca Chirafici from Epic Players, and they have generously, generously donated tickets to see their upcoming production of Into the Woods to WBAI for any listeners who donate to this station today. Gianluca, I want to ask you, what is it like uh, rehearsing and preparing to put on this production of Into the Woods? What are you doing to get ready? Well, I practiced the line, and I started to warm up my voice, and then I got ready. And what other plays do you like besides Into the Woods? What other plays might you like to be in in the future? Well, well, I want to be in the musical Hamilton because I love to rap. That's awesome. I will definitely look forward to seeing you in that production, right, Jeff? I wish I were good at rapping. I mean, I'm very impressed by that. Good luck with that. Um, I know we only have a few minutes left. So, Aubrey, I want to come back to you for a second because, you know, this production is very important to you, very important to the organization. And I hope our listeners, this resonates with them and that they want to get the tickets today, but they also want to find out more about Epic Players. When it comes to the challenges that many people in this community have faced in the past, you are creating opportunities for them to succeed in the theater or in acting you know, more broadly. Talk just a little about you know, what your hopes are for anyone who becomes part of Epic Players. I'd love for our listeners to know more about that and your vision for, for their futures. You know, my, my hope for anybody who joins Epic is that they, they find their, what we call their found family. And I think that is kind of the moral of Into the Woods, too, by the end of Act Two, of all these people who maybe would never have gotten together or created a community together who have found each other and are getting through the woods. And I think that's what we do together at Epic. We get through the woods together. We get through all of these challenges and obstacles that our, our actors face just simply because they're born with a disability. We say, you can be born with a disability and love the stage. Those two things can coexist, and we're going to create access to you. You don't need to be limited to a service job or a labor job or whatever because you have a disability. If you want to sing and dance and be on stage, we can help access that for you. And so that's what we do at Epic, and, and I hope people get more jobs and, and find their community within us. 
And as we get ready to close, Aubrey, can you please let us know, let our listeners know where they can go to learn more about Epic Players and their production? Yeah, absolutely. I will also say that John Luca is an incredible rapper, um, and I encourage everyone <laughs> to come and see a future show in which he will most likely rap in. But I will come see it. Yes, you should. Uh, if you want to learn more about Epic, you can go to our website, which is www.epicplayersnyc.org. And there's a plethora of information, including how to get tickets to our show, and reading some of the things we've done in the past and are going to do in the future. Aubrey and John Luca, I want to thank you so much for joining Celeste and me here on WBAI's Driving Forces today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Have a good night. Now, if you just, if you just tuned in, this is a special episode of Driving Forces on WBAI New York 99.5 FM, streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, joined by Celeste Katz-Marston. And today we were exploring charitable giving trends, and we just talked to folks from Epic Players who generously donated tickets. So you do not want to miss this opportunity. If you donate... If you donate to the station, let's say if you give $100 right now, you can get a pair of these tickets. You'd see a wonderful show. I promise you, I will be there as well. I promise you, this is a very intimate performance. 28 people are going to be participating in this. It's definitely worth it. it you are just going to love this. So the way to do that, once again, you can go to our website at WBAI.org, or you can call 212-209-2950 if you'd like to donate. Now, by the way, Celeste and I are opening up the phone lines again if you do want to call in and say the final five or six minutes because we're going to close a little early to play a special song for you today but um but the number to call if you do want to call in because we do want to have relationships with our listeners 212-209-2877 please give us a call and tell us why you tune to wbai now i won't be offended celeste will not be offended if you say you usually tune in because of other shows because we know that you like bai right celeste Yes. Well, I will try not to be offended because seriously, we are, uh, speaking of nonprofits, uh, we are volunteers. Jeff and I are volunteers at this station. We do not get paid to be hosts on this station. We do it every week, all year round. We've been doing this for the last, what, four years, Jeff, I think? Something like that. Four years. Uh, because we care about this station, because we care about New York. We want to hear from you. 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. What would you like us to do a program about in the future? We always make a point of trying to hear from listeners. What do you want us to bring on expert guests, people who know what's going on, people who should be accountable Accountable to you. 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. Remember, you can go 24 hours a day to WBAI.org to give to the Tower Fund, to give to the BAI's Buddies Program and make a recurring donation in the name of this program, Driving Forces, or maybe, maybe in the name of City Watch, which is Jeff's other program that you can hear on Sunday mornings. 212-209-2877. We would love to hear from you. Tell us, how long have you been listening to BAI? Did your family listen to BAI when you were growing up? Did you just discover it last year or last month or today? Are you first-time listener? 212-209-2877. And remember, you can always go to WBAI to join us with a generous donation. 
And if you make a donation, we have both a book for you and we have show tickets. We've got two things for you during this show. And you could find them on the WBAI website at WBAI.org. Now, the show tickets, we just talked with Epic Players about their upcoming production of Into the Woods. That's going to be opening just for a limited run, not too long. So you don't want to miss this chance from June 8th to June 18th. And Epic Players generously donated five pairs of tickets to WBAI to offer you if you can support WBAI today, that's only $100 a pair. And as Celeste noted earlier, consider what Broadway prices are. This way, you can donate $100, get two tickets, see that, go out to dinner, and it's still less than what you'd be paying if you went to see a show on Broadway with someone else. This is really a bargain no matter how you look at it. Their production of Into the Woods is also in Midtown. And so you definitely want to do that. WBAI.org is where you should go. And we are going to go right to the phones. We're going to go to our first caller, WBAI. You're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Uh, Noel calling from Brooklyn. Can you hear me okay? Yes. What's on your mind today? Yeah, well, what's on my mind is, um, how could I explain this? Uh, WBAI, I know, is in financial straits. I was one of the people who was not working due to the Adams administration for the uh, Department of Education. And the reason why that fits into this story, because I gave money to the station. I've been waiting one year, one year, and no one has, re has returned my phone calls, emails, or anything. And it's okay if they kept the package, but this is what I'm seeming to see from back in the days when BAI was on uh, Wall Street, that there's nobody there for accountability as far as premiums. And even, again, you could keep the premium, but just send me the tax stuff at the end of the year that I could give to my tax person. Okay, okay, that's that's fair enough. Jeff, you had some ideas on that. Thank well, you one thing call. I was... Oh, no. One thing I was going to say is if he, if you, the gentleman is still on the line, if Reggie, if you could put him on hold and see if you can get his information and get that over to me, I'd love to be able to get it to the management at WBI to be able to resolve this. I will personally work on this if we can get your information. Thank you, Jeff. Really appreciate that. And I think we have one more caller holding. If we have time, we're going to keep it super quick. I know we have a special a special ending to this program, but super quick, WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're calling from? Hi, this is Howard from uh, Scarsdale, and hi, Reggie. Um, I've been listening since around, I don't know, 1990. Nice. Anyway, um, I'm a regular listener to John Kane's show, and he mentions um, the uh, Governor Hochul's uh, extortion of the Seneca Nation um, regarding gambling revenues. I don't understand the whole thing. It involves the you know, Federal Gaming Act and what types of monies that the government's not supposed to collect money, I understand, from Native gaming mm -hmm. uh, situations. Never talked about, like, on the corporate news, and I only hear about it on John Kane's show, so maybe I was wondering if you could have a guest on a future show to address well, thank you. that. I mean, yeah, he calls it extortion. I think that Maybe I think that gaming and uh, legal gambling, all forms of legal gambling, could be a great program. Thank you so much for for mentioning it. And John Kane does do a good job of of covering these issues as well. But we really appreciate that, and we will think about that for a future known. program. Thank you so much for your call. Not really well appreciate enough. it. And uh, we are about to wrap it up. Just remember that you have. Uh, 
every opportunity to go 24 hours a day to WBAI.org to become a BAI buddy and to get some of the wonderful premiums that Jeff mentioned today, uh, the book by Rhea Wong, or some wonderful show tickets for uh, Into the Woods, Jeff. So we want to thank our guests who uh, joined us today, Rhea Wong of Rhea Wong Consulting and Aubrey Therian and John Luca Girafici of Epic Players. Also, thank you, Reggie Johnson. Glad to hear you got another shout out on the radio today. Thanks for keeping the show running smoothly today. Of course, as Celeste notes, I want to thank our listeners. We hope you scooped up some of those books and show tickets. I will be back this Memorial Day weekend. I never take off. I will be back Sunday, 8 o'clock with City Watch. My co-host Carlos Menchaca and I are going to be speaking with Schools Chancellor David Banks about the city's new literacy initiative that was just announced. We'll also ask him more about the trend we're seeing nationally about book banning, the school system's budget, and much more. Thank you so much for listening to today's edition of Driving Forces. We will be off next week, but please, 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 please stay with WBI throughout this week and next week. And as Celeste always notes, and I correct uh, myself here, we upload to Apple, not iTunes, Apple, SoundCloud, and SoundCloud and Stitcher, so you can subscribe, never miss a show. Um, I just also, you know, as we're about to close, that's why we're ending just ending just a little early today. You know, the news really hit me yesterday when we lost a legend. One of the most impressive concerts I have ever seen in my life. The great Tina Turner. She was simply the best. I call you, I need you in my heart.